Hey, what's up, Vineyard Northwest family? Wilson here. This past weekend, we had the amazing privilege of having Peter Lewis in the house. Peter is the leader and founder of Braveheart Ministries, as well as one of the founders of Upper Room in Dallas, Texas. Um, Peter carries just a powerful revelation about the gospel and an understanding of who Jesus is. Um, this dude just really blessed me with both of his both of his messages. Actually, he preached a different message each service. So if you're listening to the 9:30 podcast right now, make sure you listen to the 11:30 after it, and vice versa. But I really hope you're blessed by this powerful biblical um, teaching on the gospel. And yeah, that's one of the things I loved about it was how he really just walked us through scripture so that I can go back on my own and dive deeper into what he taught me. So I hope you're blessed by these messages. Have an amazing week and enjoy these sermons. Good morning. How's everybody? Wonderful. I'm doing great. I got introduced to graders. Praise God. Y'all got some good food here. I'm from uh, coming all the way from Dallas, Texas. So I told the guys we uh, I left 88 degrees weather uh, and was welcomed here. And so it's been so good to be here in in Cincinnati and just um, uh, I just feel at home. Uh, this place is a real real treasure, and, and the people you have here, your leadership. I know you know this, but um, I I get to see different places and different churches and. Um, it's not all like this. And so I want you to know, I know you guys know that because you're here, but um, your, your pastors and your leaders and, and, and the people in this house are really, really special. And so it's an honor just to be here, and I really am grateful for you guys having me uh, this weekend. And so uh, let's go ahead and pray. We're going to hop into the Word uh, because I love the Word of God, and I never feel like there's enough time. Amen. I always feel like with the, with when I preach, it's like, do you guys have Brazilian steakhouses here? Yeah. The thing where the meat, you know, it's so good. And you get there and you're like, your biggest problem is you just don't know what you want. There's just so much. And I always feel that way when I'm, when I'm ministering the word because it, you could just open it anywhere almost and you're like, it's all good. It's all going to make you happy. And so anyway, let's just, uh, let's pray and we're going to hop into uh, to John 15. So you can turn there while I'm praying. I'm good with that. Lord, we love you and we honor you. And we thank you, God, for your presence. You're here with us this morning. And so we surrender to you. We open our hearts to you. We ask that you would, uh, God, search us and know us and that you would see if there's any offensive way in us. Uh, any thoughts that we have about you or ourselves or about others, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would shine that precious light uh, and you would help us see you rightly this morning, that you would help us uh, enjoy you, Lord. Where there is heaviness in the room, where there's a spirit of, of despair and heaviness, I pray that you would give us a garment of praise, Lord, The oil of joy will be poured out this morning in greater measure. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think joy is super underrated in the church. Amen. I think joy is one of those things that we're like, well, we'll you know, joy is for the, you know, when, when our circumstances get right. But I, I'm a big believer that joy is how we endure hard circumstances. It's our strength. 
And uh, I feel like for, for many of us, if, if you've been around the church for amount of time, uh, when you get saved, if you can remember that, um, it's so joyful, like you, you, that feeling of having your sins forgiven and you're not gonna go to hell and you're gonna go to heaven. Um, y'all remember that feeling, the joy of your salvation? Um, that was such a good feeling because you felt like you got a brand new like slate, a clean slate. And um, I liken it, it's a terrible analogy, but you know if you get like an iPhone and, uh, and like you've had it with like a week and you drop it and you crack the screen? Anyone ever done that? <laughs> Isn't that the worst feeling? You're like, I got this brand new squeaky clean thing and then I dropped it and cracked the screen. And I feel like a lot of our Christian lives feel that way. You feel like you, you got brand new born again and then just over time you just, your screen got cracked. And, and you lose that joy, you know, that feeling of like, man, this is, this is precious. And, and in that place you feel shame, you feel guilt. And so uh, I just felt in my spirit uh, God wanted to anoint some folks with joy this morning. Like, and, you, and I love what Betsy said, like he, your circumstances are still gonna be there, but there's gonna be this fresh oil on your heart called joy. Um, and it's gonna be a, a shift in perspective. And so hopefully this morning through the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, he can renew our minds. I believe so much in the power of a renewed mind. Uh, when our minds get renewed, the grace of God just flows in a way that's like, it's otherworldly. See, sometimes I think we ask for prayer when really we just need repentance. Right? Like how many of us, especially in a church that believes in the power of God, praise God for churches that believe in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders. We need more of them in the church. Amen? Uh, but sometimes we can think, hey, I need you to pray for me. And you ever, anyone ever asked you to pray for them and in your heart you're like, I don't think you need prayer. I think you just need to repent, your perspective is off. I can't change your perspective with my prayer, only truth can do that, right? And so I believe in the hour, like right now, we need the ministry of truth more than ever because it's the truth that sets people free. And so this morning we're just gonna dive into the truth and, and hopefully all get delivered, amen? I'm always getting delivered, all right. John 15, this is how slow I am. I was, I felt the Lord speak to me, John 15, and I'm, we're in a vineyard church, and this is about the vine, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I just realized it when I saw the big vineyard sign up there. Oh, look, there's me. So, all right, so let's read. We're gonna read the first 11 verses. This is a, a very familiar scripture, but this is like, man, this is like Brazilian steakhouse of scriptures. We'll see how far we get. Lord, help us. John 15, verse one, this is Jesus, red letters talking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Say more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever, say whoever. whoever. Look at your neighbor in the eye and say whoever. <laughs> That's whoever. Whoever. <laughs> abides in me and I in him, 
He it is that bears much fruit. Say fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Praise God. Wow. Got delivered right there. <laughs> do you realize if that thing hits your heart, how free you'd get? All the things you're tired, the things you have stress and anxiety and where you're fatigued is every area of your life you're trying to do it in your own strength. You'll never live tired a day in the rest of your life if you understand that apart from him, you can do nothing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Say fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Gets good here, verse nine. As the Father has loved me, who's talking? Okay, let's slow down here. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Mm. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you. Why? Why did you tell us all this, Lord? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You know what I love about Jesus is he preaches these really confusing sermons and then he sums it up in the most simplest way. He says, all right, I'm gonna give you this kind of like parable glory teaching that you're not gonna understand at all. Because <laughs> if we're honest, we read that and we're like, like what is he saying, right? And he says it all and he goes, but listen, I wanna, I wanna, help, you, I wanna help you understand to know whether or not you ate the right thing. The result of this word is so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So the evidence that you actually picked up what he was putting down is joy explodes in your heart. That's the result of this teaching was that joy, I'm talking about joy inexpressible and filled with glory. You guys ever read that in your Bible? Joy inexpressible and filled with glory? How many of you read that and you get frustrated? I'm like right there, I'm like, a, so I grew up in the Bible church and, um, and that's a denomination kind of thing in Texas. Uh, really, it's a, it's a lot of places, but we didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. And so, but the good thing is I was raised, my dad raised me to be authentic. So he's like, hey, if you're gonna be here on this time, be there on that time. If you're gonna say you're a believer, then, then be a believer. And so one of the things I've always done is I've tried to let the word of God cut me and define me instead of the other way around. Right? I don't want to explain my experience and go, well, I haven't experienced joy inexpressible filled with glory, so therefore, it probably doesn't mean joy inexpressible and filled with glory. But when I read that phrase, I'm thinking there's a joy that's so bananas that you're like, I can't get it out and it's filled with God's glory. And guys, to be honest, I think that's what we need in the church. I think we need that level of joy. I think we need that level of, of, of dynamic 
like God's glory and goodness exploding in our hearts regardless of what's going on in the world. Because listen, I, I said this the other night, um, I, you know, I'm engaged, I've, I've actually cast my vote, I'm engaged in my civic duty, but, but let me tell you something, Jesus has never entered a debate, and he never will, he's Lord. And, and, and I feel like we have compromised collectively the church in some level in America. We've compromised our witness because we've allowed the storms that are shaking this nation to shake us. And we've trusted more in our platforms and ability to advocate for this issue or that issue instead of going, wow, I wonder if we could actually just trust in the power of God that everything's going to be okay, that we're going we're gonna to continue to preach the gospel, that we're going to continue to make disciples of all nations, that we're going to continue to shine like stars in a crooked and perverse generation. And that's why I'm so encouraged that November 4th, no matter what happens, the church is going to continue in triumph. Like, we have the victory. We have nothing to be afraid of. And so I'm super excited. Um, I just feel like we're living in the best times. And I feel like I want us to, to come to this place and go, Lord, we need your joy. And if that's you this morning, if you're like, man, I've been under heaviness, I've been discouraged, just, just put your hand on your heart and just say, God, anoint me with your joy. Just say it, anoint me with your joy. In Jesus' name. All right, so this is amazing. Jesus starts out and he's describing the new covenant. He's describing the design of our relationship with God. I love the new covenant. I think the new covenant is the most underrated thing in the church. I really do. I, I think it's, it is wild what we've been born into. I mean wild, this new covenant thing. Like old covenant, there was such a measure of glory that if we experienced the glory of the old covenant, we'd think we're in revival. I'm telling you. And there's a, there's a glory in the new covenant that, is, that brings such joy to our hearts. And for many of us, that, that scenario I described with the iPhone or any other thing you could apply, we start off with joy and then pretty soon we, we lose sight of the good news. We lose sight of that, that feeling of, of victory and innocence and childlikeness. We feel like we've been tainted. We feel like we should know better by now. And so what I love about this scripture is it sort of frames the new covenant. God gives us a, an earthly example with this, with this vine, and he says, I'm gonna give you this, this parable, but it's to help you understand how you and I are to connect on an ongoing basis. I wanna say this, you were designed by God in the new covenant to bear fruit. There's nothing wrong with your tree. You were designed by God when you were born again. How many of you have been born again? Now, if you don't raise your hand, I'm going to preach a different message and get you born again. <laughs> you should be happy. I'm born again. Amen? Wow, we've been born of God. John 1.12, to those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be born, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but born of God. Have you ever seen an animal give birth to something other than itself? Have you ever witnessed like a, like a cat come out of a cow? Can't happen, right? I said cow because I see United Dairy Farmers everywhere. I figured cows up here, we, can, we understand that. How surprised would you be if you saw some other animal come out when it's giving birth? You'd go, what in the world happened? That's not normal. God can't give birth to sinners. God can't give birth to broken things. Oh, come on. 
he, he can't get, you've either been born of God or you haven't. You can't have it both ways. Your origin matters. Oh my gosh, some of y'all, I just, you had toes. I found out you had toes. I found a few of your toes. <laughs> God doesn't care about our toes, amen? Oh my gosh. All right, let's keep going. So, so your origin matters. So you're actually a good tree and you were designed by God to bear God fruit. And that fruit glorifies God and proves to the world that you belong to God. Y'all didn't get that. Listen. You, you were designed, it is your nature now to bear godly fruit, righteousness, peace, joy, miracles, signs and wonders, raising the dead, doing the stuff, walking in character, walking in humility, walking in honor, walking in integrity, walking in holiness, walking in the, in the righteousness of God. That is now your default. You are hardwired, programmed by God for righteousness. You are. You were, you were born again, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet that, that not many people in this room this morning or watching online that you woke up and the first thought was, I wonder how I can miss God's will. <laughs> no? You thought, man, I wanna please God, I wanna, I wanna pursue him. Like that song, and, and, and we say prone to, prone to wander, Lord I feel it. I don't sing that anymore as a born again believer. I'm not prone to wander. I'm prone to love God, I'm prone to righteousness, I'm prone to exalt him, I'm prone to worship him. And so when we, we believe that, because that's how we're honoring Jesus in understanding what he did on the cross, in the grave, and in his resurrection. Believing that actually exalts God, did you know that? That's not arrogance, that's not pride, that's actually acknowledging that God, what you did was sufficient to take care of what happened in the fall. Mm-mm-mm. So, so this, this environment is amazing. Jesus says, I'm the vine, and my father's the vine dresser. So, so to understand the new covenant, you have two, two distinct persons of God, the father and the son, before you and I ever enter the picture. Come on. The, the gospel is not about you, it's about Jesus. And so you have the father and the son. You've got this vine and you've got a vine dresser. Now what does a vine dresser do? What's the vine dresser's job? To make sure that the, that the vine and the branches are taken care of, that everything is as it should be. It's the vine dresser's job to cultivate the vine. Right? And Jesus begins to articulate what the vine dresser does to the branches. The vine dresser inspects the branches. He's looking, inspecting the branches, and the branches that don't bear fruit he takes away, and the branches that bear fruit he actually prunes so they can bear more fruit. I was walking, I was doing a prayer walk, I guess about a month ago in my neighborhood. I wish I had the, I would have seen the picture, but um, this people, I look up and I see this tree and it was completely like naked tree. Like they had, they had cut everything. It was the, 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 the trunk was there and I'm like the tree trimmer went bananas. Like there was no leaves and everything was cut off. And it just had like these branches, just wood sticks. And I kind of laughed to myself because you know, how many of you have prayed like Lord prune me, you know? Like in 2019 when we, we must have all been praying like Lord prune me Lord. And then 2020 comes and we're like, I didn't mean like that, you know? 
And, and I feel like sometimes we, we, we pray that, but, but how many of you know God rewards fruit with pruning? He rewards growth with pruning. When you start producing fruit, he's actually gonna come and prune your life. He's actually gonna come and get closer and to look at those things, those, those sucker vines, those things that are coming off, he goes, man, that, that's good, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that off so that it can bear more fruit. I remember one day the father rebuked me and, and I love being rebuked by God because he, he does that so we share in his holiness, right? Hebrews 12. If God's not disciplining you, I don't know what's up. I said that gently, he should be disciplining you. And the way he disciplines us is with his words. He, he prunes the way we think about him and, and others and ourselves. And I remember he said, son, are you, um, are you tired? He goes, will you put the pruning shears down? I said, what do you mean? He says, it's my job to prune you. And he said, you're trying to take this and apply it to your life, like, and you're trying to prune your own life. And he said, that's why you're so tired, that's why you feel like you're never doing enough. And I was like, that? And I said, well, why am I doing that? He said, because you don't trust in the design of the new covenant. You don't actually believe that I'll do it. Think about that. Think about how desperate we are to try to change behavior and to do this and to try harder in here and say, instead of realizing that there is a, a design within the new covenant that just works. And there's a response to this covenant and to this design in this word, and its word is repeated throughout this first 11 verses, and it's repeated a lot in the scriptures, and that word is abide. We don't like that word. That word's confusing. That word frustrates your flesh to no end. Your flesh does not know how to abide. Your flesh actually is the opposite. Come on, y'all know what I mean? How many of you, you, if you're honest, I like being honest in church. I don't like being fake. I don't like pretending to say what you think we should say. Abiding is hard and confusing and we don't like it. Am I the only one? It's like the conceptually it feels good, like abide, you're like yes, abide. You put it on the coffee mug, on your journal. You write it in your journal, you're like abide, yes Lord. And then when you actually go to do it, you're like this is terrible. This is so hard. What do I do? I remember I asked God, I'm a simple person, and you guys are like, we know. <laughs> but I'm simple, I said, God, what, is, what does abide mean? And he said, stay where I put you. I said, what does it mean to abide? He goes, just stay where I put you. I said, I said where did you put me? He said, in my son. But before you can abide, verse three is really key. Before he introduces this concept of abide in this, in this parable, in the context of the new covenant, enjoying God, he says this. He says, already you are clean. Say clean. clean. You wanna know the reason we don't abide? Because we don't believe we're clean. Being clean precedes the ability to abide in God and his love. God cleans you with his word and with his work prior to our ability to be able to abide in his love. The reason 99.8% of Christians 
don't abide in his love is because we're trying to clean ourselves up so that God will love us. We're uncomfortable being loved by God while we're still in process. We're uncomfortable receiving the unconditional love of God while we still have stuff that we're working out that we know God doesn't like, that frustrates him, that disappoints him, et cetera, et cetera. We have this framework and we go, man, I'm gonna get clean. Once I get clean, then I'll come and abide. And the Lord says, that's not how it works. My design is actually through your abiding in the vine, through your connection to Christ, I'm, I'm, I, I have cleansed you. You have now been born of God. I was just reading in John, uh, in John 17, John 16. I don't know, somewhere in John. And how many of you know when, when, when John is testifying of Jesus' cross and it says that they were gonna go break his legs but they didn't break his legs because he was already dead. Do y'all know this? Y'all remember this? And what did they do instead? Instead of breaking his legs, what did they do? What came out? Blood and water. You know Jesus is called the second Adam. Who came out of the first Adam's side? So God put Adam to sleep, opened Adam's side, and he pulled out a rib, and who came out? His bride. So you have the second Adam hanging on the cross. He goes to sleep. His side opens, and what comes out? Blood and water. How are you and I born again? So so God's second bride comes out of the second Adam. This is now your origin out of the side of Christ. That's your origin. That's where we came from. Out of his side, through the blood and through the water, we're born again. We now come from God. That is now our source, that's our connection point to the vine forever. Yes, are are we still working out our salvation with fear and trembling? Yes, but let's read the rest of that phrase. For it is God who is in you to to will and to act for his good pleasure. (laughs) Oh, come on. We love that, we're like, well brother, what about working out your salvation with fear and trembling? Just read the rest of the verse. It's God who's in you working to will and to act by the power of his spirit. And, and listen, why is this so important? Because so many of us don't have joy because we don't feel like we're doing enough. We're not as spiritual as we'd like to be, we're not impacting the world as we think we should be, we're not on fire as we think we should be, we're not sharing the gospel like we think we should be. And listen, I love the fruit. I love pursuing and believing God for miracles, for signs, for wonders, to to hit the streets in evangelism, but I think we have tried in the church so hard to produce fruit without understanding the design. Look, I could preach a message here and I could fire you up to preach the gospel in the streets. I could go, man, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone you know, out of here and you'd go, oh, you know? And I could, I, could, I could prove to you the importance of sharing the gospel, but if you don't understand the design, what I'm doing is I'm trying to get you to do a fruit instead of be a fruit, right? And so I think that's why as the, as the church we need to come back to God's design to his new covenant. Because when you understand the the design of the new covenant, bearing fruit becomes a a byproduct. Ministry becomes a byproduct of doing this. Wow, thanks Lord for loving me like, like you love your son. 
you love me. Jesus, you love me. Father, you love me. And I'm caught up in this love. Lord, I don't feel lovable, but I love you, okay? (laughs) And you stay in this place, and all of a sudden, when you're in that place of just being loved by God, why? Because because we're we're in this covenant. It's not flimsy, it's not fragile. He, he can't not love you. He can't change his mind about you. Did you know that? Did you know that our failures and our weaknesses can't cause him to go, man, I wish we wouldn't have made covenant with him. He's, he's all in. He's all in. He can't change his mind. The blood's been shed. The cross has been, he, it's done. It's sealed forever. You can be as close to God as you want to be. I love what Betsy said about the humility of Jesus. The fruit comes off the branch and not the vine. How humble is our God? He's like, I'll source you, but the fruit's coming off of your life. And what kind of fruit do you think would come off of our life for those of us who are actually connected to God and that we have the very divine nature of the living God coursing through our veins, through our mind, through our heart? What kind of fruit must be coming off of our lives? And if it's not coming off of our lives, I wanna tell you it's not about trying harder. It's not, about, it's not about trying to do the right things and to figure the right things out. There's a design. You were made to bear fruit for God. Is this helpful? So he goes on, verse five, he's just describing this again and again, and he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's go there again. I I believe humanism's the God of our day. It's the God in our nation. I believe humanism is, is the fastest growing religion in America. And humanism is all about what I can do all by myself without God, the power of me, the power of, of, of self, right? And if we're not careful in the church, we can, we can mix humanism and our faith. And what it becomes about is how, how close can I get to God? How, and we start exalting our pursuit of God and our work for God instead of recognizing that our God, the one that we say we follow, Jesus said, Apart from my Father, I can do nothing. I can do nothing of my own accord. He said that in John 5. We know that. I don't think we actually hear that. This is God in the flesh. God in the flesh from his mouth said, I can do nothing of my own accord. What? You know what he was doing? He was destroying once and for all a self-reliance and a self-dependence. And the freedom and the joy that is found in this revelation that apart from Christ you can do nothing. See, for many of us that feels limiting. You feel limited by that statement. You feel like, well then how am I gonna know what he, what he wants to do and how, you know, and, you, and it can paralyze you. But it's not meant to be paralyzing, it's actually meant to liberate you. And it liberates you because we come to this place that you understand that God actually hardwired you to depend upon him. And so he's not interested in you manufacturing any momentum or any growth of your own strength, of your own volition. 
Think about that. You do not have to manufacture spiritual momentum in your life. You don't have to manufacture like growth. You don't have to manufacture uh, a, a movement and revival. You can't. And what's so weird, and I and I can't I, I can't describe it. I can't define it. You have to experience it when you come to this place where you surrender and you actually let Jesus be Lord of your whole life, your spiritual growth included. Oh, that one. I, the reason I'm saying that one hurt me the most. I thought I made Jesus Lord of my life. I just made him Lord of me not going to hell. I'm like, I want him Lord of my eternity, but I got it from here, God. But something happens, and I'm trying to like really hard to keep it together for you guys. Something happens when he's Lord of your spiritual growth and he's Lord of your relationship with him. You just like, you get free. You're like, you mean I can trust you with this whole thing? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> you mean I can't love you unless I respond to your love first? That's what I said through John. <laughs> we love because he first loved us. So everything in our life's just a response to him. And so if I don't see or hear what he's doing, here's what I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna go try to manufacture something. I'm gonna take my eyes off of me and my circumstances and I need a fresh revelation of God, what are you initiating? What are you doing? And here's the thing guys, God is actually super active. Did you know that? Did you know he's not like sleeping? He doesn't take naps? He's on fire all the time. You wanna know what's really wrong with me is every time I look at him, he's looking at me with this intense stare. You ever, you ever people like look through you because they're just like, they're weird like that? And they're just like, they look at you and they're like, I love, there's just this joy and this like vibrancy and there's this aliveness. That's the way God looks at us. He can't turn it off. Did you know that? He can't just downshift into first gear and go, let's just kinda. He's full of passion. He's full of love. He's, he's, he's full of intentionality and he's always looking. He's like an amazing vine dresser and he's like, let me look. Wow, and he celebrates and he rejoices and he's not nitpicking and he's not judging and he's not going, well, I wish you could. And he's, he's full of life and he actually, this is the amazing thing about God. He actually thinks his design works. That's the most amazing thing about God. He actually believes that if you abide in his son, God will start popping off of your life. Oh my goodness, Lord, we need your help. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse eight, he says this, by this, my father, is glorified. How many of you are like, I wanna glorify the Father? Come on, is that not the highest thing? Lord, let my life bring you glory. If people are casting out devils and doing this, and he says in Matthew 7, man, hey, that's, ew. I never knew you, right? The never knew you business, why? Because they chased the fruit instead of knowing him. You ever wondered how that can happen? how you can have the fruit that ever bothered you that people are casting out devils and doing the stuff, 
but he says, man, I never knew you. I, I, you, guys, you guys bypassed the design. You did that somehow. I don't know how this works, but you did that in your own weird spiritual strength. There was never a connection and a dependence upon me. I never knew you face to face. That didn't come from me, you workers of iniquity. That's heavy, that's like heavy language, but I'm saying that with great hope and gladness because I believe that we're a company of people who actually just want to abide and glorify the Father. And, and something happens when you understand that the, 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 the quickest way to glorify him is to come to that place where he said, hey, I want you just in my design, I want you to abide, to stay where I put you, in my son, and in that place, you're gonna glorify my Father by what? By bearing much fruit much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I really, I fundamentally believe the faith crisis we're experiencing in America is tied to this right here, John 15. The, the world is looking at the church and they're like, I don't see God. You know one of the biggest problems in the early church is that the, the early church believers were mistaken for gods. It was one of their biggest problems. You read through Acts, they, they was a common problem. They were like, these are gods, and they were like, stop it, we're not gods. Oh, that we would have that problem in this day. Not because of our own pious religiosity and how disciplined we are in God, but because we make our Jesus big, and we exalt in the new covenant, and we praise him, and we actually, we actually learn to trust God and to go, you know what, Lord, I surrender all. I surrender all, Lord. I'm sorry. I repent. I turn from trying to do this thing in my own strength and, 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 and trying to churn and build up some momentum. And I, I like, it's deep in my gut. And I know this is maybe different than, than what we're used to hearing, but I, there's something in me. I know what's happened in my heart and the heart of those that I'm walking with and those of us who have, who have prayed and tried to walk this out. There's revival in my heart and there's fruit coming off of my life that's not connected to things that I could point to and go, it's like exponential fruit. Like my wife and I, we planted a garden. This Y'all do that all the time up here, I'm sure, but we are in Dallas, it's a little different, it's urban, and we planted this little garden during COVID, and I planted a jalapeno plant because I love peppers. And man, I that thing is like exploding with peppers. Like there's fruit, I'm like how is this one pepper plant, y'all know how, how it's like, but you go to the grocery store and you get a handful, but this plant's got like 50 of them just exploding off and all it did, all it did is just sat there in the right environment for about four months. Think about that. It just, it just stayed in its environment for about four months and God's design took over, that thing was designed to bear peppers, and it got so heavy that its branches, are, I mean the thing is like leaning over, y'all probably give me some tips afterwards, I'm probably supposed to prune them or something. <laughs> but that's what it's like in God. How many of you wanna see like a freight train of God's momentum in your family, in your workplace, in the community? There, there's this place in God where you go, okay God, I'm gonna just stay in this environment where you put me. And somehow that turns into a freight train of God moving. Somehow that turns into revival. And revival is fruit coming off of our lives in, in such a great measure that's not connected or tied to 
our engine. And this troubles us because we live in a world that says, man, you only get for what you work for. But God's design is different than that. And he gets all the glory that way. Amen? This is the last thing I'm gonna say and then we can pray together. Well, I wanna hit that real quick and it says, and so prove. God's not afraid to prove himself to the world. Did you know that? Did you know that God actually, the design of the new covenant in the church is that you and I would be proof that there's a God in heaven? You're plan A, and there's no plan B. You're plan A. Fruit coming off of your life is, is ministry. You're like, well, no, this is ministry. No, fruit coming off of your life is ministry, meaning you're God's proof to the world, to everyone around you, to a spouse, to a family member, to a coworker, to the people working in the stores. You're proof that there's a God in heaven. How? Because when they see you, when they look at you, they see Christ. They see peace, they see joy, they see righteousness, they see holiness, they see something that cannot be connected to any earthly thing. That they're like, what, what is it? You've got something, there's a substance, there's, there's a tangible presence and glory and goodness on you that's not of this world. There, there's a love, I feel love. I remember I walked into a Starbucks one time and I told the Lord before I came in, I'm gonna finish with this testimony. I told God, listen, I said, God, I said, I don't love anyone in that, in that coffee shop. Come on, evangelism to me is like one of the most mature expressions of fruit. Loving people that you don't know, like really loving them and sharing God's love in the gospel is mature, it's a hard thing. And so I tell God, I'm honest with him, I said, God, I don't really feel any love for anyone in there. And I was just being honest with my heart and I, and I said, but God, I said, I said, but you do, don't you? <laughs> I just was trying to connect with God. I felt like he, there was an encounter in there that he wanted me to just position my heart right. And so I was in my flesh, I needed coffee. And I said, but God, you do. And, he, and he's just, I look at him and it sounds weird, but when I look at him, he's almost always smiling. He's just got this smile. And he's like, and he goes, yeah. He goes, I really do and I love you too. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm looking at him smiling and I start smiling because I'm in my heart, I'm looking at God smiling and I walk into this Starbucks and I got this goofy grin on my face. <laughs> like this. And, and I walk up to the counter and I walk up to the lady and the lady behind the counter, and I'm just smiling because I'm looking at God smiling at her. You ever see someone smile at someone and it makes you smile? And I'm smiling at her, and, and she takes a little half spec. She goes, whoa. She goes, you got some good vibes coming off of you. <laughs> I said, you know what that is? She said, what? I says, it's Jesus. He loves you. And she starts tearing up with a smile, with a look. I looked at her like God was looking at her, and she felt something. Do you know how easy evangelism is when you're abiding in the vine? Y'all, this thing, this thing becomes unfair. People start jumping in the boats. You're just like walking around, just loved by God. You're like this and they're like, what do you have? Let me in, you know? 
What if we just started an evangelism ministry and we were just smiling all the time? We just make sure we keep our eyes on his smile and his love and that we prove to the world that we're the beloved of God and that his, help, his arms are open wide for people, amen? And so he, Jesus completes that with this same thing, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. The secret is to abide, is to abide in his love. It's his love. Can you stand to your feet? Let's just turn our hearts to the Lord for a second. You can close your eyes if you want, if it helps you to block out the distractions, but. Yeah, I feel like the Lord's saying that Abiding starts with first seeing how he looks at you. You say, where do I go from here, Peter? This is, this is awesome, but where do I go? Just let him look at you. Let him look at you with eyes that you're, you're not used to him looking at you. Some of us are used to feeling and believing that he's frustrated with us or disappointed. Or, and I feel like he just wants to look at you with fresh eyes, with, with pleasure this morning. And if we're honest, as he's looking at us with pleasure, what's coming up is some, some agreements that we've made about ourselves. It's really hard for some of us to believe that he looks at us that way because of some agreements that we've made about ourselves because you feel so conscious and aware of your mistakes and of your failures, of your weaknesses, where you've missed the mark. And this is what he says to you. Your weakness doesn't offend me. Your weakness attracts me. And I've purposed within this covenant to take your weakness and to draw really, really close to it and to manifest my power in it. My grace is sufficient for you, says the Lord. So no more hiding. No more hiding from God in his presence. No more pulling away in fear. And Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name, God, that you would descend upon these hearts. That you would come so close that those parts of us that are resisting your love, that you would just bull right through them and you would embrace us this morning. Father, we repent for trying to do it in our own strength. Come on, if, if I'm asking you to pray with me. If that's you, you can just agree. If you've been doing it in your own strength and you're tired, you're weary, oh, it's his design for you just to abide and to depend upon him. And so just let it go right now. There's a grace to let it go, to let the, your business go, your marriage, there's marriages struggling in this place, and you guys have been trying so hard, and the Lord says, I've got it. I'll heal it. I'll bring life to it. Hmm. 
And one of the ways I agree with God's love and pleasure for me is I smile back at him. That's one of the ways I agree with it. I don't just kind of furl my mouth and resist it. I just, wow. I just let him love me. I let the warmth of his smile fill my heart and I give him a smile back. So come on, as you see him, as you see him delighting in you, just begin to delight in your heart back. Just another minute or two. Just begin to worship him and thank him for his goodness and for his love. We honor you, Lord. We thank you for that heaviness, Lord, that's been upon us. Lord, we thank you for the oil of joy right now filling our hearts. Thank you for your joy, God. Thank you for your joy, God. Thank you for your joy, God. Come on, thank him. He's got an oil called joy, and he's just pouring it on you. It's his joy that's going to strengthen you. It's his joy that's going to sustain you through, through the circumstances that are yet to come. So God, we bless you and we love you. We honor you in Jesus' name, amen.